It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Oh, yeah. How about this? We are brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence, hour number two of the show. Uh, my buddy Tori from Remy Martin will be in studio tomorrow bringing some pie for Bobby and myself. And I might put down the pie. Bobby, you might have extra pie. That is happening tomorrow. Remy Martin team up for excellence. I'm excited about that. And we're going to talk about a lot of cool things. What Remy Martin is doing here from Enchanted at Resorts World with Khalifa. At Dre's, they offered me up a couple for my sons. My sons don't come back till next week, but that's coming up. And uh, what we're doing with Remy Martin over the Super Bowl, man, they are really involved in the next couple of Super Bowls, especially with us here as Vegas will host the Super Bowl, two Super Bowls from now. So this year we're in Glendale, and then we move to Vegas. And imagine what that's going to be like with F1 and all of that. If you missed my conversation with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, that'll be on the Raiders social media at Raiders.com, Facebook, Twitter. It'll all be up there. As the coach talked to me about the plan, how do you win? How do you win and keep a plan? Well, the owner backed him. Devontae liked that. Derek Carr liked that. We have Derek Carr sound I want to get to in a little bit here from his press conference. He had an emotional week. If you think of Derek losing on Sunday with his teammates to – Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday, Derek got very emotional afterwards and had to go home and prepare with the whole week of his teammates being ready to play in Denver in a rivalry game. And Derek spoke yesterday, and we'll hear from that. And you could tell he's wearing his emotions on his sleeve, and that's okay. You know, he's different than other guys. He's pretty emotional. He's faith-based, which is great. He talks about his passion for his faith, his family. And I love that about him. How could you not? But he's got to find a way to win this game against the Broncos. So it's coming up on Fox. That's a 105 start. We'll be at the M Resorts Bond Casino. We'll be at the M for that game. And then after that, the Raiders go up to Seattle. Chargers at home. The rest of the schedule here down the stretch. Looming with the Patriots and the Niners at home here. It doesn't get easier. The trip to the Rams on a Thursday night to take on the Super Bowl champs. So they're going to be really busy. They are going to be super busy coming up here. And that's important here. So as I look at what's happening, as I look at what's happening with the Raiders, they have to win this Broncos game. If they do, they sweep them. They sweep them. It'll get them to three and seven. It'll knock the Broncos down to three and seven. So some of that Derek Carr sound now, before we wait for Brandon, who will join us from KOA, the flagship in Denver. First off, the team without the coaches addressing his teammates Another opportunity to talk amongst the players without the coaches. When we're in the locker room, in certain areas, there's no coaches. You know, in certain things that were said, were said and addressed and handled um, like men. I'm proud of the way we handled it, honestly. Um, and what you saw from me was just frustration uh, from some of the things that had to be addressed. Didn't think that had to be addressed, but we did. And so 
I'm going to do my best today during this. I know everyone wants to ask about that because I was very upset, obviously. Um, but I'm going to do my best to just move on to the next game. But to answer those questions, it was addressed. But no coaches were around when, where we were when that happened. So there's no one you'd rather hear other than the quarterback. And look, his opinions can change depending on what the long-term future is of Derek Carr in Vegas. But the buy-in for Josh McDaniels with all the injuries that surround the team. No, no. When it comes to injuries, I've been through injuries. And there are some that you can play through and there are some that you can't do anything about. Um, I was not talking about anybody like that, for sure. Um, and for our coach, we man, we love Josh. Like, me and Tay had... You know, we have meetings with him all the time, and we had another one, great one today, and um, fully believe in the plan, and because he he shows us like, like like my point is like what, like what being mad at the coaches is that going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that really what you know we want to do for another 20 years? You know what I mean? Like, keep doing a cycle like that? Like they they know what they're doing. They've had success. Like, you know, as players, you know, we're fully bought in because we're like, man, we believe in it and. We just all want to be a part of it, you know what I mean? And so um, to answer that part of it, like we, my feeling, like we love Josh. We love everything that he brings, everything the staff has brought. Um, and really we just are focused on playing better, you know? Everybody, every man in there, we all took turns in the game. You watch the film, like, oh, I could have done that. Like even if it wasn't, it's probably stuff that people don't even notice, but you're like, man, if I do that more consistently, it would lead to some wins, you know, for, for the team. And everyone took that mindset. And so... Um, the proof is when he shows it to us and you're like, coach, you're right. You know, we got to do that better. And so um, I think we're closer than, you know, <laughs> you don't want to ever use certain words, but anytime that we've had a new coach and you got to start over and do certain things, we're a lot closer to being where we want to be than what we, than what it feels like right now. That's a really important soundbite. He says he loves, you don't have to use love. He could say, I like the coach. He loves the coach. Him and Devontae talks about Devontae and him talking to the coach about this. They believe in the plan. And they got to execute better. As I bring in Brandon Cristal, Denver Broncos insider, an insider in all of Denver sports. We appreciate him coming in from KOA Colorado. Brandon, you just heard that. You cover Josh McDaniels in Denver. You know him personally. You're covering Nathaniel Hackett now. And both these teams are going through a really tough patch. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, JT, always good to join you. And what's funny is I guarantee if we go week over week, a lot of what Derek Carr is saying is similar to what Russell Wilson's saying in that they are close, right? When you lose close games, and I think the Broncos have lost seven, or they've been in seven one-score games and lost five of them. And so, you know, the, the biggest margin was the nine-point Raiders win. You take away the Melvin Gordons who can score, and that's another close game, right? And it felt pretty close. You and I were both there. And so these teams are similar in a lot of ways. And with, with the first-year coach, I, I know Josh obviously goes before, but first, first year, and it's been a long time, but in their new situations, they're growing pains. And what's interesting is talking to some people that I trust, Josh is cut from the same cloth that he was cut from when he was here. And if you love football, if you're Derek Carr or Devontae Adams, you probably love Josh McDaniels. I get that. It's the other players that may not necessarily see the world or see football the way Josh does. And Bill Belichick did as well. Matt Patricia did as well. It doesn't always work. It didn't really work here. The difference between it working in New England and everywhere else is that when you walk into the building in New England, there are six Lombardi trophies sitting by Bill's desk or wherever they are, right? And so it's hard to get everybody maybe to buy into the way you want to do things if they're not cut from that same cloth and it takes a while to get the right people. And you have to have an owner that will let you stay around there long enough to get all of your type guys in. And that may take a while, and hopefully Mark Davis, for Raiders fans' sake and for Josh's sake, 
let Josh go through these growing pains and and get all of his type guys in, I and mean, then I think the Raiders could be really, really scary. Yeah, it's interesting because the expectations are so high. The Raiders had to run the table with four wins, as you know, to get into the playoffs. They had the ball first and nine, a first and goal at the nine to beat Cincinnati, tie Cincinnati, and maybe go for two and win. And and that's the last taste the Raider fans had before Josh McDaniels was hired, especially the dramatic win over the Chargers, one of the greatest regular season games, no debate in NFL history. So the intensity to keep winning is at a high level, and that's what the Raiders expect. And I know that's what you see with the Broncos and the success of Peyton Manning and Elway and even before that. High expectations. How have the Bronco fans come around to Nate Hackett now after those first couple of weeks where it really looked chaotic? Well, so it looks less chaotic, but the problem is the offense is just so so poor, I guess for lack of a better word, or so unproductive, right? As, as the, the fact has been going around all week that this late in the season, we haven't seen a team that's got the number one scoring defense, which the Broncos have, and the number 32 ranked scoring offense, which the Broncos also have at 14.5 points a game since 1946, when there were 10 teams and the Steelers boasted that same <laughs> that same claim that they had the best defense and worst offense. So the difference is the Broncos get an offensive-minded head coach. You think, well, even if he can't figure out some of the game management stuff or whatever that was plaguing him early, he can at least handle calling plays and getting the offense going. Oh, and by the way, you've got a future Hall of Fame quarterback or at least a guy whose resume was certainly taking him in that direction. If he has four or five more years like this, <laughs> then maybe the gold jacket is on hold. But when you throw Russell Wilson with Nathaniel Hackett, you thought, oh, well, they'll score 20-plus points a game. Can the defense be as good as it's been in recent years? And, and will they win tough games? Well, they've lost all of their close games to teams they should have beaten, whether it was Seattle Week 1, the Colts here on Thursday night, the Monday night game in L.A. where they were up on the Chargers and lost in overtime. They're losing games that good teams find ways to win, and they're finding ways to, to lose. So, Will Hackett get the second year? We don't know. At least Mark Davis has a bit of a track record, right? We don't know what the Walton Penner group is going to do. We know they can certainly afford to buy out Nathaniel Hackett's contract and any other contract they want to buy out as the richest owners in the NFL. But that doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do, right? We know what David Tepper does. We know how Daniel Snyder acts, some of these other owners. We don't know how these guys are going to act and how George Payton, the GM, is going to handle things. I think if they keep losing, they'll have no choice but to move on. Mm -hmm. But it certainly hasn't lived up to the expectation by any means. Brandon Cristal, KOA out in Denver. Uh, Draymond Jones, what what a run he's on on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to Patrick Sertan, or let's combine them both with this question here. Sertan, in the last four or five games, like, like four catches against him, a complete shutdown. I talked to Josh McDaniels about that earlier today. And without Bradley Chubb, how is this defense getting better without Bradley Chubb? This is incredible. Well, and to be fair, it's only been one game without Chubb, but to hold Derrick Henry to 56 yards, 53 mm-hmm. yards, whatever it was on 19 carries, is a really impressive feat, and it's a credit to their defensive coordinator, Jiro Evero, who happens to be Nathaniel Hackett's best friend from college, but he didn't just pluck him out of thin air. He's been with the Rams the last five years. He's worked with Dom Capers, who's on this staff in Green Bay. He worked with Vic Fangio and San Fran. He was on Monty Kiffin's staff, so he's been around some legendary defensive play callers. Wade Phillips, obviously, there with the Rams uh, before Raheem Morris got there, and so he is comfortable in who he is and making adjustments as needed. And so even though the offense hasn't carried carried their weight, so to speak, or, or held up their end of the bargain, the defense, even without Chubb last week, they went to a base 4-3 essentially and moved Raymond Jones, who's been really good as a defensive end in a 3-4. They went with 
three other big bodies next to Draymond and their three inside linebackers, Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, Jonas Griffith, and uh, about 15, 15 plays or so where they were like, no, we're going to go a traditional 4-3 and have you run into a box of big dudes, and it didn't work. So uh, a big, big credit to Jiro Evero and his staff, but as he said today when he was asked about you know the buzz that he might be uh, uh, high on the head coaching candidate list, and I think he will be. He said, look, we do this as a team. It's not my defense. It's our defense. And our offense is going to come around, and, and hopefully it's sooner than later. But there's plenty of people here, JT, that are saying, if you think Everett is going to be a head coach and you don't think Nathaniel Hackett can handle this, why don't you just offer him the job or make sure that he's ready to stick around and then let him go find a different play caller. Nate would probably be at the top of the list. But keep him around and let him run the show because of how well he is received in the building and certainly by, by the roster. Brendan Cristal, as we wrap it up. So you saw Derek Carr break down after the game. Highly emotional. Uh, Devontae's talking more and more. How are you covering this in Denver? What does Denver media think of the Raiders and what's happening in the last couple of weeks? Well, so it's interesting. And You know, I work with Big Al Alfred Williams who won a couple Super Bowls here in Denver. He really likes what the Raiders are doing on offense. And I think keeping an eye on Josh McDaniels from afar after he left here, went to St. Louis, and then back to New England, he really is a good play caller. It's, it's all the other stuff that sometimes can, can bog down a head coach for whatever reason, right? But I, I know that the Raiders are going to give the Broncos all they can handle. Derek Carr certainly fared well against the Broncos, and as has Josh Jacobs, right? His numbers against the Broncos just continue to get better. He had his best career game to that point against Denver and Vegas. And so the, the way you cover it is can you get over all of the – issues, whether it's Nathaniel Hackett's inconsistent play calling, Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett just not being on the same page, or the slew of injuries. You don't want to make excuses for injuries, and the, the Raiders obviously with Waller and Renfro, among others, on IR, but the Broncos have $55 million on the IR right now, including their starting left tackle, their starting right tackle, and I could go down the list, their starting centers on IR, uh, and you know, there's a few more that I can throw in there, receivers that are banged up that won't play. DBs that are banged up that won't play. Kwan Williams has been great. The slot corner won't play. And so they are banged up. But on top of that, they just haven't developed any kind of identity, at least not on the offensive side of the ball. Last one. Can you believe how many insiders, radio hosts nationally, <laughs> got this wrong this year? I mean, there was some talking Broncos Super Bowl. There were many talking Raiders playoffs. It, the majority of them said three teams out of the AFC West, three. And I'm looking at all this, and I'm saying to myself, man, everybody's getting this wrong. Everybody thought these teams would have been the elite teams or at least playoff teams, and no one got it right. And it's not just here, though, JT. Look, you're from New York. I'm from Mm -hmm. Dallas. We didn't think the NFC East would look like this, right? The teams of our youth, the Giants and the Cowboys. I thought the Cowboys would be okay. I think Mike McCarthy's a terrible coach. But, you know, I didn't know if the Eagles would keep up and pick up where they left off. So what's great about the league, it's tough when you're covering a team that's underachieving like you and I both are, right? But the fact that they've added the 17th, they've added the 17th game, 7th playoff team, keeps it exciting, right? Mathematically, the, the Broncos and Raiders are far from out of it. There's no reason to think they're going to go on a crazy run, although you saw it last year. We touched on it at the top of our chat with the, the four wins to close it out and how close, right? That game is four, four and a half quarters in, in Cincinnati. If they go to overtime, I think the Raiders win that game. So, that's what's so great about the NFL is that these teams are close. The Vikings with a first-year head coach, the Dolphins with a first-year head coach are right there in the mix that it can change on a dime. It's just tough when the teams you cover, the division that we cover, 
is underachieving, but it, it does make it fun week in and week out. I know it's going to be fun Sunday, even if both teams aren't where they expected to be 10 games in. All right, my friend. You had a good time in London. You'll have the Raiders here. We'll have to catch up over the holidays and see you soon. Enjoy the game. It's going to be a close one and a fun one. Thanks for doing this. JT, thanks for having me as always. Talk to you soon. You got it. Brandon Cristal, my buddy. My buddy. He interviews everybody in Denver. Doesn't matter who it is. They come on with him. And do you hear what he said about Nathaniel Hackett, what he's dealing with, with the injuries? We know what Josh McDaniels is dealing with, with the IR and who's not being a Waller Renfro. Everyone says... You hear what he said about Denver? Left tackle, right tackle. Whole team's banged up. Raiders got to win this game. This is not a great team. But I think Russell Wilson's due. I've been saying that. I'm not saying he's due against the Raiders. But Russell Wilson is going to figure this out at some point and start putting up points. Floated across, Eichel to Stevenson, up top, here is an extra pass, Eichel, he scores! From the sharp angle, deep left wing, tonight's score with four seconds to go first period. Eichel's 10th of the season and his 20th point. The Knights take a 1-0 lead over San Jose in the dying seconds of the first period. I love Dan Duva on the call, I love the excitement of the horn. We love going to Vegas Golden Knight games at T-Mobile. And the fact that we get to talk to Ashley Weiss, who covers the Golden Knights for AT&T Sportsnet. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me for the first time on the show. How are you? Thanks for having me, JT. I'm pumped. I am excited to talk to you. First, let's talk about the food drive, which I reached out to Nate, and I love what this team does from Mr. Foley on down, getting the word out to go to a game tonight and make a food donation if possible. Yeah, it's super important. So 5 o'clock on Toshiba Plaza, it will start. Um, the wives of and girlfriends of players and coaches will be there collecting items until the beginning of the first period. Uh, non-perishable items, of course. Uh, part of the 5149 raffle will also go back uh, to help 3Square as well. But for those who you know, maybe aren't able to make it out to the strip tonight, there has also been a food drive at City National Arena, and that ends today, but they can... You know, through the end of today, today, they can also go drop things off there. So, of course, we want everyone at the Fortress, we want you to bring uh, your non-perishable food items if you are coming to the game or if you just have an opportunity to swing by. You'll be rewarded with a poster, which is great. Uh, you know, it won't be for nothing. Not only will you give back to the community, but you will have something to take home as well. But just keep in mind City National Arena, too, if you can't make it out there. All right, Ashley, give us your backstory. how you came to this great position working in the NHL for a team that has this great early history. How'd, you, how'd this gig come about for you? Uh, good question. A lot of luck, I would say. I uh, always wanted to work in sports. Uh, landed in hockey as an intern with the St. Louis Blues, actually, out of college. Um, and from there, I did a lot of production work, a lot of shooting, editing. Uh, put myself on camera whenever I could, whenever people would allow me to. But, you know, just kept working on that that part of the craft. And then when the opportunity came open with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, kind of heard through the grapevine that uh, Stormy, who's actually a very good friend of mine, uh, was going to be leaving. I reached out immediately to the team to throw my name in the hat and uh, was lucky enough to land here. But, you know, the fact that it happened to be with this team, it's made it even more of a no-brainer. It's an incredible job, uh, an incredible organization, and 
you know, having, you know, worked around other teams in the past, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are kind of the cool kids on the block. They set the standard when it comes to in-game entertainment, when it comes to, you know, Twitter, the, the clever tweets, always, you know, <laughs> not afraid to, not afraid to shake things up and, you know, be the first to try new things. It's such an honor to be part of the group, honestly. Ashley Vice joins us. That's great. Congratulations on this. And, you know, most athletes, college football players, NFL players, baseball players, they're easy to interview if you can get access to it. But for what you do, the access to talk to a hockey player in between periods, coming right off the ice intensity, because it's such a physical sport. And there's a lot of pushing and grinding and elbows and guys getting banged up and they want to get to the locker room and get in there and you have an opportunity to talk to them what's that experience like yeah i'm lucky that they take the time to talk to me you know there's the occasional time that like you said it's a physical sport out there so a guy may have just taken a, a stick to the mouth and i might want to talk to him and it might be ah, he's got to go back there and get stitched up but uh it's incredible i uh, cannot say enough about how easy our players are to work with that's a huge part of it um, but yeah, to have that access right after a big goal, last game in particular, Jack Eichel scored with three seconds left in the first period, um, and what was a scoreless game at the time and happened to be able to walk right over to me after. So it's really, really cool to be able to be part of the big moments, not be part of them, but be around for them and then do the best I can to make sure that fans are able to kind of sense that energy from the players as well. Ashley Weiss is our guest, covers the Golden Knights for AT&T Sportsnet. Check out her coverage as we have a game tonight. And Golden Knights have lost two in a row, but they're 8-2-0 in their last 10 here. And finally, people are looking at this team going, well, this would be a good night for a bounce back. What do you expect from this team in the matchup tonight here when it comes to the health of the team and the message from Coach Cassidy to have them bounce back and get a win? I think bounce back is a really good word because – I think it's an important game. I think that when you're coming off a win streak like they were uh, nine games in a row, details kind of start to slip a little bit, right? And the first game against St. Louis that they dropped was actually, it was a really good game. Um, It was really one period that got away from them that second period. They had a great push in the third period. I think fatigue had to do with that loss. And so, because they just come off an 11-game road trip, right? And it was not only an 11-game trip, but an 11-game trip way out east, not a lot of recovery time. So I think when they lost that game, it was kind of easy to brush that one off, right? And then they go and play San Jose and did not play the way they wanted to play. And some of those details that have slipped, especially um, in front of their own net, that's what Bruce Cassidy that's the point he was driving home is that he wants those slot battles to be better from his team. He doesn't want to be giving teams great looks right in front of our goaltender. Right. So uh, I think that last game may have been a little bit of a wake up call, uh, not a wake up call to say that anyone's panicking or that things are bad, but it presents a good opportunity tonight uh, to, as you said, bounce back and have a good response. Actually, as we wrap this up, this is an important year here because of there's been no turmoil and it's incredible. The first year I mentioned before you came on, coming off one October and how everyone was galvanized and this organization stepped up in this community. It was really special. And go to the Stanley Cup final in year one and then deep into the playoffs, then miss the playoffs. And a lot of the younger fans, not the diehard hockey fans who have been around it their whole life, are going, oh, my God, is this the beginning of a trail off? Will they ever get back again? I'm telling everybody to calm down. They have all stars. They have stars all over this lineup. I like to watch the defense as much as the offense with the star power they have. And now it seems like it's a calming moment for this fan base. What are you noticing from these fans when they come? 
come into the arena at night here or on the road, the ones who are concerned that they wouldn't get back to the top again. You know, I think it's just a renewed sense of energy. You feel it in the building. You also feel it around the room. And that's not to say that the guys in the room uh, didn't have confidence. But last season was just draining on everyone. Injury after injury after injury. Um, it was a moment of, you know, what gives? Something's got to give here, right? So to come in this season, have the energy that Bruce Cassidy brings to the room. Phil Kessel has been a huge addition to keeping the room light, you know, bringing everyone together. His incredible milestones places 1,000 consecutive game tonight, which is unbelievable. To even it, You celebrate it when an NHL player plays 1,000 games. That's a huge deal. And then you add on the fact that this is 1,000 consecutive game. It's unbelievable. Things like that bring the team together. They bring the fan base together. Uh, we've been able to see, you know, Jack Eichel completely healthy and what he looks like, not only on the ice when that's the case, but also the difference he has made in the locker room. You saw that game in Buffalo. That's another thing that I think brought not only the entire team together, but it brought the fan base together. Everyone in Vegas was rallying behind Jack Eichel that night. And, you know, I think, you know, from the record to the individual storylines along the way, Everyone loves Logan Thompson. You walk into the fortress and there's, you know, 36 jerseys everywhere. It's, it's incredible. And I definitely think it's something that the players notice. And it's certainly been a heck of a start to the season. We talked about if we mm-hmm. can still call it the start as we're getting closer and closer <laughs> to approaching the, the quarter mark. But it, it's certainly been fun. And I expect an OS tonight. Ashley, great job. I'll come say hello when I don't have a work night on the radio or I come on the weekends. Really appreciate you doing this. And we'll get everybody out there for that food drive tonight at 5. Appreciate you. Yeah, come on out. Thanks, JT. You got it. Ashley Vice joining us from the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team. And I've always enjoyed their broadcasters. They come on with us. Whenever we ask, whenever we ask, and I noticed they had a food drive, I texted Nate, can we get someone on? Boom, right back to me because go to the game tonight, bring some non-perishable food items there, drop them off. You know, cans of food, you have it there in your pantry, drop them off. You feel better about yourself when you donate and you're going to these games. Hey, coming up next, something unique. Tom Curran is probably the biggest media voice within the Patriots, and he's good friends with Josh McDaniels. And he reached out to me in Boston to come on and talk with him about Josh McDaniels. He told me at the Super Bowl about Josh, kind of made the introduction for me and him indirectly. I jumped on his big, big, big Boston show and podcast. We're going to play some of that for you or all of it for you next. Stay tuned. I think it's it's where you would want it to be, you know. Um, you know, we all, like I said, we all face adversity, you know, and everybody wants to get caught up in, you know, the situation and the record and all this stuff. And, you know, that's not, I mean, we can't do anything about that right now. You know, all we can do is focus on today and the opportunity we have this week. Um, I thought this morning was exactly the way you would want it to be. Um, you know, look, we're we're all professionals. We have a job. Um, that's what we're here to do, and uh, we we need to make progress and improve, and uh, that's what we're focused on. But I think the leaders have been great. They've been great all year, and I don't see that changing at all. The leaders are on the record. Derek Carr, Devontae, and Max about the coach. The coach, you just heard him, on the record in front of the media about the leadership of the team. Welcome back, JT, with you tomorrow from 4 to 5, 530. 
I'm at Virgin Hotels for my monthly podcast. Kevin Ioli is going to join us, the great MMA insider. Golf Hall of Famer, UNLV legend Jeremy Anderson will join us, plus a couple of members, executives over at Virgin Hotels. So I will be there. That'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that tomorrow. And then we're going to see Illinois play basketball. Uh, Tom Kern's one of the biggest media members in Boston. He's a Patriot insider from NBC Sports Boston. I was just on his show and podcast talking about the head coach of the Raiders. All right, for a couple of decades, you've heard this guy. It's JT the Brick. He's on Boston Radio all the time with his national gig, but he's also a Raiders pre- and post-game host. He's been doing that for almost 2.5 decades. Sits down every week with our guy Josh McDaniels. And JT, I feel like I sold you a bill of goods. I told you things were going to be great when Josh got out there. It's not so good, so good so far. Yeah, Tom, it's a slow, it's tough sledding. The Raiders are a two and seven, and Coach McDaniels here is just trying to get this team on track here. There's a lot happening right now. New coach, new GM, who I really support, and Dave Ziegler, too. And they're trying to roster deconstruct while winning. And they've lost six games by one possession. And let me start off with that and what that means, because you've been in football a long time. Those are six games where the Raiders had the lead or had the ball to tie the game or win the game. Good example was this Indianapolis game. They were completely outplayed by Indy. Indy was the better team. Raiders have the ball under a minute to go, two shots at the end zone. Foster Moreau, it hits him. It gets broken up, should have caught it to win the game. Devontae going up against Gilmore on that play. So that was a game they should have won. Then you go back to the Kansas City game. They were up by 17. Throw that one out, Tom. That's a throw-out statistic. They could have been up by 24. Throw that Mm -hmm. out. But the Arizona-Kyler Murray game, where they were up by 17 in the fourth quarter, and he ran around like a toddler at a party who stole someone's phone, right? And they couldn't put a body on him. Not only did he score two touchdowns, he converted on two two two-point conversions. So give the Raiders that win for the conversation. And then, you know, give them the other win where they had a 17-point lead. You start adding this up, and you say to yourself, and then you throw in the the, the Jacksonville game, which is mind-blowing. So the Raiders should roughly have five wins. Take another one away, they have four. And they're four and five going into Denver to be five and five. So I think it's a lot of bad luck. It's a lot of bad execution. And it's a team that's just trying to find their way with a new head coach. The nut punch to all of that is, though, they were so clutch last year, especially at the end after John Gruden was relieved. So I look at this and I look, okay, Josh has a bedside manner that you might need to get used to as a player. He can be excitable. Bisaccia, they had obviously warmed to him. Why are they performing worse in crunch time under what I presume is a smarter offensive coach than Masaccio was. No disrespect. Um, What's the disconnect? Why are they gagging? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, these close games, if you don't win, you gag. And if you win, you come from behind, you're a hero there. So it's a very fair question. First, let's get to Coach Passaccia. Last year, they had to win the final four games to get into the playoffs. They had no reason to beat Cleveland. They played poorly. Cleveland played worse. They got a break and won that game. You saw the Charger game at the end of the year. It's on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest games ever ever in regular season NFL history because it involved the Steelers with the result. It knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs and put the Raiders in. Got to give Basaccia credit. Then they they had first and goal at the nine against Cincinnati in the first round of the playoffs. First and goal at the nine and lost that game. The question is, Mark Davis went after John Gruden when he had Jack Del Rio because he wanted John. 
and he really loved John, loved him as a person and a coach. Then we know what happened, unfortunately, to John Gruden. I won't condone the emails, but he had this organization set up going forward. And it was mm-hmm. tricky with Mike Mayock, who you know. You know Mike. Yeah. And that was a tough that was tough sledding. A lot of these first round picks, Tom, you've seen them are disasters. Disasters. So they didn't go with Basaccia because they brought in a general manager coach combo that Mark was really confident in and is still very confident in. Yeah. Un- unwavering support. So to answer the question on Rich Passaccia, they wanted to go in a different direction and have a play caller, an offensive mind, who had all the success out of New England to build that culture here in Vegas. On paper, it makes tremendous sense. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you put does. that on an eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper, it makes genius sense. I, I consider Josh, and I've said it before, one of the five best coaches in the league when you, and I'm including the, the head coaches. Yeah. And so far, it hasn't shown up. Is there a resistance on the part of the players? Is there a little bit of locker room dysfunction in terms of embracing um, Josh? You know, we saw Blake Martinez retirement. We heard allusions by uh, Derek Carr this week about effort levels. I watched that Saints game and I was like, what are these guys on defense doing? They're not trying. So where is that? Good question. I don't think there's locker room dissent because he has the leaders like Max Crosby, Devontae Adams. Look, this question's on play calling. Devontae, Devontae wants every ball, which is great. Literally, he literally wants every ball. And you covered Randy Moss and Gronk. They want every ball, and that's okay with Devontae. Derek broke down emotionally, I think, in a positive way to show how much he loves this team. And he's all in on Josh McDaniels. As you know, he said something very interesting, Tom, in that in that breakdown, he said, you know, Josh has had more success than Derek could ever see. He under, Derek gets that you know, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels comes from the Belichick tree and all that winning. You know from covering the team, and I've covered the team, that every week for almost 19 years, there was a victory. Mm-hmm. There wasn't disarray in the Boston Globe, EEI, the sports hub. No one's freaking out it. about what's happening because everybody's winning. So Derek understood that culture was coming here. The locker room right now, there's some guys chirping. There are, you know, Devante said some things, Derek, obviously pointing and they're trying to figure out who, but Josh McDaniel seems to have this team on track. They're just not executing. And with, with, with our conversation here, Tom, the, it comes down to this. Are you prepared or are you not prepared? I think they're more than prepared. And you know this. Josh is prepared. He's a stickler to details. That's all he does is details. And they're looking at details all around the clock. The problem is what's happening with the execution. And they're not executing. They're not running perfect routes. The offensive line's a rebuild. And the defense is really struggling. I mean, they don't have players on defense other than Max Crosby. Chandler Jones hasn't worked out yet. And uh, they're going to blow up a lot of these players on defense, let them go, and try to rebuild that side of the ball. That's what's really fascinating. The 5-11 and 11 season that the Patriots went through in 2000, Bill Belichick came in after Pete Carroll. That team never bottomed out either. It was an 8-8 eight and eight team in Carroll's last year. Team went 5-11 and 11 in 2000. Belichick had a massive salary cap issue to deal with. They actually began, I might be lying or exaggerating, <laughs> with 48 players on the active roster at the beginning of the season because they just fumigated the place. So the rebuild existed then. Bill went through that place, you know, just culling players left and right. So it was, and even 2000 consisted very much of a resistance to Bill and the way he did things, and the way he talked, and the way he didn't talk, and the eye contact that didn't exist, and the militaristic <laughs> eccentricities of him. Yeah. 
So players had to adjust to it. But by the 2001 season, he had jettisoned his, you know, his Bruce Armstrongs and his Ben Coates and his Max Lanes and um, players that just were ambivalent about whether or not Bill would work out. So maybe it is a year away, but the scrutiny is different now than it was on the New England Patriots in 2000. No one gave a crap about the New England Patriots in 2000 to a large extent, except for 30,000 fans out here in New England who still did. Um, the Raiders are a national brand. They'll never go away from anybody's mind. So the scrutiny on Josh is tough. How's he holding up? I think he's holding up well. And again, I'm the only guy who sits down with him every week and talks to him. And it's basically a preview of the upcoming opponent. And let me tell you this. I've been doing this a long time. He's the best I've ever seen. And Gruden was damn good, as you know, because Gruden's a TV guy. Uh, Josh knows the opponent better than any coach I've ever sat down with. I can go starting safety to Mike Linebacker, and he'll tell you their stats, how they played the last two weeks. He is phenomenal at preparing and looking ahead. And again, when you, you know, it's easy to do an interview when you're winning. It's tougher when you're losing here, and he's a pro, and he shows up there. And Tom, you know Josh, and we talked about this at the Super Bowl, and I never met him until now. And I look at the human being factor, which t it's tough on the radio, right? Raider fans are really hard. Mm -hmm. They were hard on him when they got the job because of the Patriot connection. And some of the fans were just juvenile about it. Give me a break. So Belichick goes from Cleveland, right? When he gets to New England, does everybody say, well, he was with the Browns? No. Well, a lot of Raider fans didn't like Josh coming in because he was part of New England, the tuck rule if you go back. Sure. And Raider fans didn't give him the greatest welcome in the world. But I talked to him about his son who's playing high school football. That's the first thing we talk about this week. How's your son doing? Oh, he had a great game. You know, he wears his son's sweatshirt of his school, right? He asked about my family. We talk and just have a three to four minute conversation as he's getting mic'd up. And then we talk and I wish him luck afterwards. And he couldn't be a better guy. But, you know, the fans aren't going to see that all behind yeah. the scenes. They're not at home with him. They don't know him here. John Gruden was a really big personality back in the day. So, I think that Josh McDaniels is working his ass off to try to turn this around. But as you know, there's more to this with Dave Ziegler. They're trying to build something up to a level that hasn't been here. And the level would be to get it to where the Chiefs are, where every year you go, okay, Andy Reid's going to have them in the playoffs. Are they going to win the division or, God forbid, be a wild card? The Raiders weren't there with Ritz Passaccia, even though they got to the playoffs. They weren't there with Coach Gruden, who tried and got close and they're trying to do it now with the new reg regime that has scouts, people behind the scenes. And Mark Davis came out this week and said Rome wasn't built in a day. Mark Davis said things, his unwavering support, cover of the newspaper here locally. And as you know, Tom, you know the numbers better than anybody I know. They paid him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. The GM's getting paid well. They're hardworking guys. They have a different grading system when they grade players. And Mark Davis understands this, man. They just started. It's seven, eight, now nine games. Yeah. And they're trying to put a plan in place. And it's really rough because these games, these losses have been brutal. I'm there in the stadium with Raider Nation. I'm with the team. And you're looking up going, all right, we got this one. And then it slips away and you go, wait a second, what just happened? And it's the quality of competition, too. I mean, it'd be one thing if you're getting bounced around by, you know, whatever, the Ravens or, sure. or you know, Upper I mean, you're getting squished by Jacksonville. Your hopes are dashed by the Saints. And it's like, could, and then Jeff Saturday and the Colts, it's indignity after indignity. So, I mean, I say the same thing with Joe, Mac Jones this year, JT. Well, at least by the end of the year, you'll know he's built up some resiliency. Yeah. 
So um, last question. As much as people poke fun at the Mark Davis haircut, I think he's extremely underrated and underappreciated as uh, a pretty shrewd guy who's got his stuff in a row um, in a way that a lot of other owners don't. I mean, he knows when to step in, he knows when to step back. And when he gets in front of the mic, I like listening to him. Mm -hmm. Would he ever pull his vote of confidence if it really got crappy? I don't know the answer to that. I know Mark really well. I knew Mark before he was the owner of the team. I knew Mark way before this all happened. And I, I had a front row seat to Mark Davis's vision of what was happening in Oakland and the politics and Tom, it was so tough in Oakland to compete against the A's and that stadium and the mayor and the politicians there. I saw Mark at his lowest point as the Raiders lost Carson, California. Remember the Chargers and the Raiders were yep. going to Carson. Jerry Jones flipped it all and got Stan Kroenke in there, which turned out to be the blessing for the Raiders. Raiders went up to Oakland. Mark wasn't used to coming in third place. And then all of a sudden, this jewel in the desert opens up. Top five in revenue. The best stadium, I believe, the best stadium experience in football. But Mark wants to win more than any concert that's in there, any halftime entertainment. He lives and dies with this team. He has the toughest legacy in sports because you could never be Mr. Davis. Mm -hmm. You could never be Al Davis. And he knows that. So he tries to hire people, put them in place, stay out of their way. Of course, he meets with the coach after every game. All the media is sitting there now with stopwatches. How long's the meeting? How long have they been there? We're waiting for our press conference. So it's 16 minutes. It's 14 minutes. Everybody's speculating about what they're talking about. Mark is very smart and shrewd, and he gets the credit for bringing this monstrosity to the rest of the NFL owners, the new revenue stream, the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl. So you're really complimentary and nice to say that about him because he should get the credit for that, but he wants to win. And Josh McDaniels has to win here. And it's tough sledding right now at 2-7, and seven, but the plan is to get the players who aren't going to be here off the field, get some of the younger players on to evaluate them, try to win every game, mm -hmm. and then go into the offseason with Dave Ziegler. Here is the key. Dave Ziegler goes in with his new scouts, everyone around him, and says, we are make or break. We're going balls out. I got big free agency money. We gave up a first and second for Devontae. We don't have to give up nothing now. We probably have a high draft pick. We got to make a decision at quarterback. We got to make a decision with some of these other guys like Darren Waller going forward. Does he want to be here? I think he does. Is he going to be healthy? A lot of tough decisions. And then the Raiders hit the ground on a big, big reset because that's what's going to be demanded by the fans, the Raider Nation. Well, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, they're not in rebuild mode yet. They're no, still in win-now no. mode. I mean, you can get to 10 and 7. I mean, it's unusual to win eight games in a row. But the talent level there. I yeah, mean, Tom, let me stop you there for a second. I don't, I don't believe that because I think the Raiders are going to go win now, and I think they're going to win some games coming up. But the defense is really struggling, <laughs> and there's a lot of players on that defense that will not be back. And the offense is really struggling because of no Renfro and Waller. They're on IR. They can't come back to the Rams game. So it's going to be hard for them to win. But I think they'll win a couple of games here. And everybody should just pay attention with a couple of things here. Do they get better executing? Do, do the players continue to have their buy-in, which I think they will? And does the noise settle down? Because the problem with these last three losses at New Orleans, at Jacksonville, because they went, as you know, they went from New Orleans to Sarasota, Florida for a week 
to do this team bonding thing. And then they had a 17-point lead on Jacksonville. So it worked. Whatever they did in Jacksonville worked. They came out 17-0. And then the next thing you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong in regards to execution. They lost that game. They came home to Jeff Saturday in a game they should have won by 14 points. With or without Matt Ryan, they got outplayed. Now they can't go into Denver because it's a rivalry game, and they have an opportunity to sweep Denver, and they've won the last six out of seven against Denver. So you're going to learn a lot about the Raiders this Sunday at Mile High. Best 45-minute team in the league. One of the best <laughs> radio hosts in the, in the country, too. JT, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure. Talk All to right. you soon. All right, so my conversation, long one there with Tom Curran in Boston on his friendship with Josh McDaniels, what I see out here with the Raiders. Just talking about the losses, the Denver game, and what's happening here. Tom knows the Patriots inside and out, knows these guys better than I do because he's worked with them for a long time, and he saw a lot of success. And Tom really wants Josh McDaniels and Dave to do well because he knows them behind the scenes. And that's what we're trying to do here on the flagship. But as we know, you want to win every game, and our job here is to give you the content on what it's going to take to win the next game. The next game is Denver. We'll jump in again tomorrow on this. We'll have more of a breakdown. Uh, Raiders roundtable, what we said about that with the great Lincoln Kennedy. Vic Tafer scheduled to join us tomorrow, too. So we got a busy show. My friends from Remy Martin will come in with some pie. They're looking to get us ready for the holiday season, and that's about it. I'm jumping on Denver Radio at 4 o'clock with Big Alfred Williams, who me and him have a lot of fun. He teases me. I'm going to tell him six out of the last seven. That'll go over well and uh, mile high. So they moved the Buffalo Bills-Cleveland game to Detroit. So they moved it to Detroit because that's how much snow is coming to Buffalo. And I guess I stirred the pot because Charles Woodson retweeted me just now at JT the Brick. Like Maybe they should have a dome. Their next stadium is not going to be a dome. In Buffalo. It's going to still have the opening there. Again, back in the day, they would have played this game or moved it a day. Now, the reason why they're moving the game is they don't want to make it a road hazard. I'm aware of that. I went to college up there. I went to college an hour outside of Buffalo in the snow belt. I'm aware of that, but you know, I like when they play games in snow. Okay, We used to play games in snow. And if they're getting a lot of snow, as long as they clear the field off and you got volunteers clearing out the stands, it's fun. And Buffalo loves that anyway. You think Buffalo wants to lose a home game to Detroit? Wait till the Bills Mafia get a hold of that. Great job, Bobby. I don't even know how many guests we had today. They're all really good. Vince Sapienza. We had Ashley on Vice. She was really good. Good to talk to her. We had Lee Sterling on. Yes, Brandon Cristal from KOA. So that is it. That is it for today. And tomorrow I'm at Virgin. About 4 o'clock. We got a show here tomorrow. And that's about it. Getting ready for Thanksgiving right around the corner. I know if you're heading out of town or you're coming into town, Vegas is a great place for Thanksgiving. If you're going out of town to see your family, have a great holiday coming up. We got all week next week to talk about the good times. Good to go. All right, you got it.